<laughs> well, welcome. This is WNCN Radio coming to you one more week here. Very happy that you tuned in this uh, Christmas uh, season. We had some interesting shows in the past. A great guest last week, David, in uh, really, really nice uh, missionary a lady, uh, Penny Hood from Worldwide right. Evangelization mm -hmm. Crusade. And again, I think we have another interesting show because we're going to pick up once again on Sermon on the Mount. I call this one Part 3, which is the final, our final study in Sermon on the Mount. But glad to have you, David. This is David Abood, my friend and assistant. Great to be here, John. And it's good to be with WNZN uh, coming. Of course, we're at Lorain, Ohio. Uh, you can tune us in at 89.1 FM on the radio, which you've done. But if you're having any problem... Uh, audio or hearing wise, you can live stream us. I know people on the west side here in Cleveland, mm -hmm. they usually uh, live stream us, and of course, you're going to get a very clear message. But for that, just go to www.wnzn.org. That's wnzn.org. So, without further ado, David, we're going to pick up uh, which is considered the sermon of our Lord. Uh, it actually occupies three chapters in the Gospel yeah. of Matthew what it was called the Sermon on the Mount. And just by way of background, the refreshes, this is when Jesus will actually go up on the Mount. It says uh, in verse uh, 1, seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and then he sits down, and then it will uh, it, it'll end with, in uh, verse chapter 7, verse 28, and it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching. Yeah. And then... Uh, the next verse will say, chapter 8, verse, and when he had come down from the mountain. So here we see he goes up, he comes down, he does this significant teaching. This is reminiscent of when Moses went up on the mountain. Yeah. And that's yes. where he'll get the Ten Commandments and the new law mm -hmm. for Israel mm -hmm. and they establish a covenant. Jesus, Tepa Moses, uh, he'll go up on the mount, give this new laws of the kingdom. Some call it the laws of the principles of the kingdom of God. And... Um, then there's this whole new way of living because he's establishing a new covenant. But it is, he goes up on the mount, comes down from the mount, and he gives this new new way of living or new law, if you will, but it's not really the law. So we're picking it up today mm -hmm. in chapter 7, and it's here, uh, if you want, David, you can read like um, sure. verses 1, um, maybe 1 through yeah, one through 6, we'll set it up, yeah. Matthew 7, 1 through 6, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Okay, thanks, David. So here we see our Lord is starting with this whole paragraph or short teaching on judging. Right. And he says, judge not that you be not judged. In other words... Who am I to judge another person? You know, I mean, I'm not responsible for that person. I'm not better than that person. Um, who am I to judge them? Now, some people confuse this, that we should never judge anything, any place. But that's not true. We're to discern. Um, you know, if you're, if you're uh, let's say you're bringing in an elder or a pastor mm -hmm. or somebody for 
uh, to teach in the children's department. Well, you're going to go through their resume. You're going to listen to them speak. You're going to look at their background. You're not judging them, but you are discerning. We always are discerning. I mean, in a sense, you go to buy a new car, you go buy a car, you're judging that quality of that car, you're right? The mileage, yeah, the price. Yeah, right, sure. But this idea, judge not that you be not judged, it's the idea, Jesus is living now in a, an environment where the Pharisees and the scribes are coming and they're constantly judging him and his followers. They'll say, why did you do this on the Sabbath day? Or why, why don't you uh, wash your hands when you come in ceremoniously clean? So they're always judging, judging, judging. And in this context, Jesus is saying, judge not that you be not judged. And this is very important. I mean, the old adage goes, if you're pointing one finger at somebody yeah, else, right. three fingers are pointing back at you. Yeah. You know. It, well, you know, the other thing I think about is, is there is no way for us to know uh, the background or reason behind other people's demeanor. And, you know, um, I think that's something that, you know, as a Christian that I've really started to try and, um, you know, think about before I'm even, I don't want to say judging other people, but making statements about them in terms of their behavior, because we have no idea what what's going on in their house. Right. So right. in that case, you know, one of the things we've talked about is just praying for those people where you start to feel you're judging them. Yeah. And, and that kind of helps get my mind off the wrong path <laughs> and more on a, a straighter path that I think is how we're supposed to act as Christians. And you notice in the life of Jesus in the Gospels, yeah. he doesn't often judge no. uh, those that are, what can I say, in sin. I don't want to, but he wants to bring them to a point where they'll, they'll recognize mm -hmm. their sin and repent of that. He's hardest on those that should know the truth, the right. scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And those are the ones he really, he really chastises mm -hmm. and judges them harshly. Same thing when you see Paul, he'll be preaching in Athens or these different places, pagans, unbelievers. He doesn't tend to judge their sin as much as he tries to bring them to salvation and then deal with their sin. Put off the old man, put on the new man, get yeah. rid of these different sins. Then Jesus will say in verse 2, back here in mm -hmm. Matthew 7, mm -hmm. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So the idea being that you'll see this even in contemporary life. Sometimes somebody will judge somebody and criticize, yeah. and then it comes back on them. Yeah. You know, the very yes. thing. And you find this happens in politics or in ministries. Mm -hmm. They'll judge and they'll criticize. And, they'll, and then three months later, you find out that person has fallen into those same kind of things that they were judging others for. Yeah, and you know, John, in, in that line too, where Jesus, where Jesus talks about, um, you know, the measure we use, it's also pretty clear. We don't have, we're not being authorized, nor do we have the capability to judge anyone. Right. It's up to God. Right. And right. so I, I think when I became a Christian, that was the biggest thing I took away from when I started seeing verses like that. I have no authority. Right. To judge anybody. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, and, and I think it comes in when we start feeling angry or bitter towards other people with the way they've treated us. That's when I start judging yeah, people. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I realize, you know what, this isn't the way we're supposed to do it. But it is a process because, you know, we're supposed to focus on our own righteousness and sharing the same with others in our lives and not focus on what they're doing wrong. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. right. I mean, keep, keep it on us. It does say in the scripture, test all things, hold right. hold fast to that which mm -hmm. is good or true. So we are 
discerning. Let's say as parents, we judge, uh, uh, let's say, our, our children's companions mm-hmm. or what they're involved with, what movie they might watch. Well, that's discernment, and we do that, but we do weigh things out in terms of yeah. we're not, how do you say it? Yeah, we're, we're, we're well, using discernment, <laughs> but it's it's a type of judgment. So I don't want people to think right. we never judge anything <clears throat> no, ever. No, sure. Now, some people use this as a cop-out. They'll say, well, you shouldn't judge or shouldn't. Well, yeah, but we have to discern. You know, we have to discern good mm-hmm. and evil. And mm-hmm. if, especially this is true if a person is coming into our lives or our church life or a, a, you're appointing somebody to the position of leadership. When I was a director of a mission organization, we had to make judgment calls because yeah. we were getting... Right. applications in for people that were going right. to be trained and sent overseas as a missionary. So we were making, uh, you could call it discernment or judgment calls based on the information we had. Yeah, and a lot of that is safety directed. A lot of it was to protect the brand. Yeah, right. uh, but you weren't you weren't being critical of somebody else, uh, regardless of the environment, yeah, that they were going in. And, you know, I, I think the other thing that really hit me is whatever measure Jesus says we use on others yeah. will be used on you. That's a good point. That's a good so point. So th- there's a big pause there <laughs> from me when I start going off down a bunny trail. Right. Man, that, that is very convicting. And then he, he gives a yeah. practical application of this. He says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? <laughs> Here's the thing. We tend to want to look for specks in our brother on the other hmm. guy's eyes. It's easier. We're, we're, we're it's easier to do that. We're we're speck inspectors. <laughs> we're speck I'd rather inspectors. do that than look at myself in the mirror. <laughs> right, and we always want to fix the other guy. Yeah, not realizing we're the ones that need the fixing yeah. first. Yeah. Now we can help take the speck out of the brother's eye if we get the plank out of our own eye. Right. So the speck is like the smallest piece of matter. You could think of that almost like a piece of dust gets in your eye, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But a plank, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your own eye and look at the plank in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So a couple things going on here. Mm-hmm. One, he's not saying your brother doesn't have a speck in his eye. In other words, something is hurting him or a habit or something you want to try to correct in him. But he says the problem is you've got a plank in your own eye. You got this. This is like the biggest thing that I mean. Can you imagine a plank in your eye? He says, don't try to get. You can't see clearly if you got a plank in your eye. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck. There's nothing wrong with removing the speck from your brother's eye. If you want to help somebody grow spiritually or help them to grow, maybe in their finances they make all kinds of bad mistakes. Don't. Go and right away correct them and criticize, but get them to the point where they're going to respect your opinion yeah. because you've removed those planks from your own eyes. Yeah, and and I think the other thing too, John, isn't there some uh, minnow in the water here too that if you're at a point where you feel you are judging other people, should those be the right people you should be hanging out with? Uh, and so it's a lot easier when um, you're around the right people that help build into you and help you remove the speck from your own eye. Yeah, right. Right, Jen? Yeah. And you want That's... you want people to point out the speck. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, right. if it's hurting I... you. So give me an example. When you were out playing in the yard when you're yeah. five, six, seven years old, and you got something in your eye, mm-hmm. a piece of dust or something. Well, you probably wouldn't go to your friends and tell them, ask them to take it out. Right. But you would go to your mom or your father. Why? Well, number one... <laughs> Your friend's hands probably aren't clean. 
right? They're playing in the dirt. They haven't, they don't have any experience. They don't know what they're doing. They've never done it before, maybe. But mm -hmm. if you go to your mom or your father, yeah. first, he's got your best interest at mm -hmm. heart. He's done it before. Their hands are clean. They got you know, all of these features can be applied spiritually. We don't mind that people point out something, you know, it, it's actually a good thing. Because if you just compliment people all the time, never, oh, yeah. you know, well, you're not going to get any better. And, you know, you, you know, you've done that with me. Uh, where, you know, I mentioned, you know, how I've handled certain things from the time I became a Christian sure. to prior. And there's a big difference from 10 years ago, five years ago till today. Yeah, right. And, and you know, and I think you want to keep seeing that growth, yeah. that improvement. It, we're, I'm never going to be perfect. No, all uh, of us are no way. We're all there, in there's process. No, yeah. You know. And, you know, but to think that's what Christ wants us to become is, is the real alarming fact that he even thinks I can do that. Right. Uh, so, um, but, but that's really what we're supposed to try and achieve is that perfection that he had. Yeah. I mean, you know, with how he treats other people. And that's what really the Sermon on the Mount is, is he's giving us the tools. Um, you know, it's really the central doctrine what forms the basic core of our Christianity. Exactly. This is how we're supposed to act, and this is the rule book. Yeah, and those, that's the, here's the ideal we're moving towards, and uh, he will give us the wherewithal. It says this in Philippians. It's a very interesting verse, but he says this, chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So it's, we're working, but God's working. He mm -hmm. gives the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. gives the Word of God, gives us other believers, so he can transform us. We can move to what you're saying, to that ideal. Mm -hmm. We can be conformed to the image of Christ. None of us ever arrive. We're just like a child. Yeah. We're in process. We're, yeah. you know, the hopefully we're progressing so that I hope that I'm a different person today than I was a year ago today. And I hope next year at this time I'm trans. I'm, <laughs> I'm more conformed to the image of Christ than I am today. Me too. Yeah, uh, and, and and that's what you've explained to me. And I I think it's really what what Christ is talking about here with Sermon on the Mount. But again, I, I think this is really important to to dwell on. If you are judging people around you regularly, mm -hmm. you need to evaluate what those people are doing in your own life. Right. And I think it's easier not to judge. If you're with the people that are helping you get where you want to go uh, as a Christian, um, and they're feeding into you, and you're feeding into them, but you can take their um, opinions. Right. I'm not saying criticism, but their opinions, like you've done with me, Dave. You know, you might want to think about handling it this way next time. I'll take that a lot easier than I will from a family member mm. who who you feel maybe has been judging you or criticizing you from the time you were, you know, three years old. Because you don't know uh, yeah. you have your best interest Correct, in correct. And it's not to say you cut your family off or you cut friends off from the past completely that aren't kind of walking in the same path. You just need to be aware of it. And you need, and, and I just think from my own experiences, I can tell you I have found it's been a lot easier to back away from certain relationships mm -hmm. and really engage others that are helping me improve every right, year. Right. And some of the basic things we're talking about here. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So then he says, um, this is very important. It kind of goes, verse six, 
Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your feet and turn and, and tear you to pieces. So here, there's people out there they just don't want to hear the good news of the gospel. They're not interested. Matter of fact, uh, if, if some of them, they would actually turn on you and, and, and tear you to pieces, maybe hurt you. I mean, there's places they're actually hurting Christians physically and throwing them in prison. But there's some people just not ready to receive it. And when you share the gospel, it's like a big joke. They're what they call scoffers or mockers. They're not ready to receive. Because when you present the gospel or you give somebody spiritual information, you're giving them something really powerful and life-changing. Now, if they don't want it and they mock it and ridicule it and joke about it, well, maybe it's not time for them. And you don't, you don't spend as much time with them as you might somebody that's really shown an interest and a curiosity in the things of God. Exactly right. So, you know, John, I think this comes back to why Jesus told parables. And, you know, one of the things you taught me is he did that to weed people out yeah. and see where he should invest his time. I think the same thing, you know, comes true here where Jesus warns that it's worthless to impart the holy word among those that would not understand its value. Yeah, right. And, you know, I think you have to pick your... I don't want to say battles, but I guess I do. Yeah. Because life is a battle. We're in warfare every day. So I think um, I think that's another valid um, teaching point he's making here. Yeah, here, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but it says here, the things that we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. <clears throat> but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, foolishness, nor can they know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, but he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So here he's saying the natural man, unbeliever, he, he doesn't get it. Matter of fact, he might think this is a big joke. You know, and you see yeah. that in popular culture, yeah. TV, entertainment. You mentioned a thing about our Lord, or the Bible, or heaven, or hell, they think it's a big joke, mm -hmm. like we're mm -hmm. just joking. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that this is like really important stuff. So there he says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls. Pearls suggest a very um, precious commodity we Heck have. Heck yeah. You know, when you consider, when you become a believer, and you get in the Word of God, you understand things about creation, you understand things about prayer. You understand about things supernatural about warfare. Supernatural warfare. Yes. How to raise your children. Right. All of these things all of a sudden open up to you that prior to this, I, I before I became a believer in nineteen in nineteen seventy five, I didn't know all this. You know, I didn't know this from that or prophecy or any of this stuff. Once you get into it, you go, this is pretty valuable stuff because this book is like the oldest book in the world. Yeah, it, and to your point, I just started thinking about Indiana Jones yeah. with the you know the hunt for the Holy Grail, and you know obviously it's the tabernacle that they're referring to in the movie scenario. The ark, right? The mm -hmm. ark of the covenant, um, two in there, and um, but when I think about it, the real treasure is the Bible itself. Yeah, right, right. And and I think that's what Jesus is even talking about with the word. Th this is his. This is what the treasure is to him. That he's talking about. Yeah. We already have it. Yeah. You don't have to search for it anymore. Exactly right. It's right in your hands if you want it. Time tested. It'll be the biggest right. best-selling book this Christmas season, bar none. 
It's the most translated mm -hmm. book in the world. None no, other like this. Mm -hmm. And it's Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure forever. It's right. not going anywhere. Right. So to get this word in you, it's a great treasure. You know, yes. That's why it says, thy word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Now, Jesus is going to transition here from this judging uh -huh. to prayer. And you can see what he says in verse in verse one, uh, 7. He gives this real 7, 3, 12. Uh, 7. Uh, Do you want to go to 7, 3, 12? Uh, yeah, we, no, we, we, we can go 7 and 8. Okay. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks... The door will be opened. Okay, so here he's given kind of a um, prototype of instructions about prayer. Um, and again, the importance of prayer cannot be overemphasized because he, he said earlier about prayer, mm -hmm. um, when you pray, uh, go into the secret chamber, shut the door behind you. Your father that sees in secret will, will, will revive you openly. That's in chapter 6, uh -huh. actually verse 5 through so here he's going to come back to this. It shows you the importance of this. Mm -hmm. But he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So here you have the acronym, the A-S-K, ask. A-S-K. Okay? <laughs> yeah, right. Very easy to remember. Mm -hmm. But notice, ask is verbal. You're asking, okay, you're verbal. Seeking is more intentional. Is more deliberate. You're looking. What, what do the promises of God say about this situation? What can I do? <coughs> Knocking, you're really getting desperate. Not, I want to say desperate. You're really uh, moving in now, so to speak. Intercessory prayer. But all the three of those, asking it will be given. Seeking you will find. Knocking it shall be open to you. So maybe you ask and, and you need something. You know, a job opportunity or a situation in your life. Seeking, you need direction. Maybe you need direction or guidance. And then open, maybe you need favor. Open door, Lord, please help me through. All things you can fit in there. But I do like the fact that it is an acronym, A-S-K. I like that. A-S-K. And, and, John, before we started the radio show, what were we talking about? The answer to prayers yeah. and how grateful, how much we have to be uh, grateful for this, this year. Right. Uh, for the holidays with the birth of our Savior. And... It is so incredible when you start praying. I totally believe this verse. When I first came to you 10 years ago, or you came to, you know, we connected, I wouldn't have believed this. I would have thought this is all noise. Yeah, right. That this is just a joke. It's not that way. It is not that way. I am telling you uh, from experience, um, my short experience, that I can't tell you how many prayers that we have prayed for together have been answered oh, for right. both of us yeah. and our families. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and everyone listening today, I would encourage you once more. You know, we're coming to the close of this year. It's been a wild year, a lot of ups and downs. I know people have gone through suffering, maybe even loss, uh, uncertainties. But prayer never changes. The Word of God never changes. We, we should be a prayerful people. And as David said, we have not because we ask not. We ask. I mean... We, we, you ask for wisdom. You're praying for God's will in your life. You're, you you pray for God's favor, even with the family, with a job opportunities. You pray for insights. You're praying for protection, especially in this kind of COVID environment we're going into. So we don't know what's going to happen in the coming year, 2022, but we know that God wants us to pray, and and we should pray. And, and you know, 
Uh, John, uh, last week um, we had uh, Penny Hood on. Yeah. Uh, her husband is Brian. Um, they basically are in charge of all of the grounds for WAC uh, headquarters in Philadelphia. And what did she tell us? She was praying 1 Chronicles 4.10, praying to expand their territories. And she also brought up uh, Philippians 4.19, God will meet all of our needs. Right. And she said they've had an incredible year. COVID hasn't slowed their growth. Christianity is soaring yeah. in so many other countries. And she said to us, we've been praying yeah. and we see huge results. We don't know the COVID uh, situation, world pandemic has not affected us exactly at all right. in our mission. Right. That's the and, power and, of, of prayer. Though. And we can't see prayer. I mean, yeah. once we pray, we don't see it, but we don't know what that's doing yeah. in the spiritual. The, yeah. We know that God honors prayer. He mm -hmm. wants us to pray. Mm -hmm. um, right. And we can pray at a low level or we can, we can pray with intensity, you know, on a continual basis. The Bible says pray without ceasing. And, and, you know, this is what God has called us to. As a matter of fact, there's a very interesting verse in 1 John chapter 5. Uh, first, the letter of John, First uh, John chapter 5. And he says this. He says, John speaking through the Holy Spirit. Um, mm -hmm. And verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you, there's the word of God, who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know you have eternal life. Not that you're going to get eternal life. You have eternal life right now and that you might continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we asked of Him. Do you see that? Yeah, and, and that's a hard thing to understand. Um, so when it says, if you ask anything according to His will... He hears you. Now, how many times have you and I talked where I'm like, "Do I? Have to, I've been praying for this for months, years. Yeah, right. And, you know, sometimes you don't know his timing. Right. But don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's it's not an instant gratification when you pray all the time. Not a it might take machine. years. Right. right? You've always taught me that. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't, don't give, give up. up. Yeah. Persist and, and realize... God could be answering your prayers when we don't even notice it. That's exactly Seriously. right. But if you keep a journal, you keep account of what you've been praying about, and pray, you'll sense something that's different in your life. The presence of God is moving. You're seeing things happening. And God wants us. I, I don't, he doesn't want us just to pray in a, in a kind of an abstract way. He wants us to pray that we will see that answer to prayer, that situation arise, or that whatever that might be. And you know as well as I do, you know people in your life that pray. They yeah. pray and get answers to mm -hmm. prayer, am I right? Yeah, and yeah. you know we were just talking about one of your good friends in Thailand, Raymond. Mm -hmm. um, and you know I remember the story. If you want to tell it, go ahead, John, because that was one of the biggest miracles I've ever seen with the power of prayer where you really got me thinking, man, I'm going to stay on my prayers because the impossible is possible yeah, right, when right. you pray. Yeah, well, you bring up the story, and this happened back yeah. in 1997, I think it was, David. Yeah. My family and I moved back to Thailand. We were living in a city up north called Dak, T-A-K. And I just happened, I think it was Easter Sunday, was it? I, or I forget how it worked out, but I met this fellow, because there's not many foreigners yeah, up there, and right. he came to church that day, a little church, town yeah. church. 
and I got to talk to him after the service. His name is Raymond. He's German. He's living in Thailand, married to a Thai girl, Thai family, has a family. And he was telling me that he was there. He wants to serve the Lord. He got he came to Christ on the beaches of Phuket. I mean, he was like living there like a hippie. Yeah. And uh, him and his wife wanted to dedicate some land that she had kind of like inherited, got up in the not, not far out of town mm -hmm. where we live. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, can you give me any advice? Well, I said, I'll come out there. So I drove my motorcycle out there two days later. And David, this place looked like, you know, like the Mojave Desert. There was some like uh, sagebrush and these tumbleweeds and a skinny little cow was walking by. And it was just <laughs> desolate, you know. And I didn't have any real insight or wisdom. I, we walked around and I said, Here, here's what I think we should do, Raymond. Why don't we come out here every Thursday and we'll pray and fast and read some scripture. Not, not really, you know, just there. Let's do that. We can do. And he says, all right, let's do that. And so we did that as much as we could. We'd come there Thursday. He had this plastic kind of a mat we put on the ground. We'd sit there and pray and read some scriptures and, you know, and, and kind of claim it, you know, say, Lord, if you would, please bless the land. Raymond wasn't even sure what he might do with it. About a month later, two months, he got a call from the Australian embassy, and they want to donate him money to put up a rice mill because the farmers were bringing their rice and they were getting ripped off when they got mm -hmm. uh, separated, the, the husk from the the rice kernel, and he did it. It was a significant amount of money, and he built this, and then people were coming. He could share the gospel, and then the British embassy heard about it, and they said, you got credibility. We got extra funds because they have, you know, mm -hmm. funds for nonprofit organizations. We want you to do build this, like a little school or something there. Well, today, you go there. He's got a double, uh, two-floor school up right on the border of uh, Thailand and Myanmar, and he gets Burmese refugees, all Christian teachers, but it's two floors. It's amazing. He's got a project where we used to, you don't even know where we used to do this, uh, had the blanket out, the, because not only you got a rice mill, he's got a training center there, he's got a farm system there, he takes in kids that are like homeless. Yeah, he was able to build and purchase, a, build a church where the tsunami hit down in Phuket. Well, my point being that, he didn't have anything. He did, He wanted to serve God, really. That's and he had a little export business, and that was kind of keeping him afloat. But that's all we did. I didn't have no great wisdom, great insight, David. But it was our weakness that made us go to prayer and fasting. Right. And <clears throat> that's how. Yeah. It, and to this day, he'll say that's that's what led that opened the door. I mean, if we get mm -hmm. we'll get him on the show again. He's been on the show in the past. Yes. And that's what happened. Right. There's no Un other, unbelievable. Nobody claims credit for it or, you know. Gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. Then he says uh, again in verse 9 back here in uh, Matthew 7, or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread, he will give him a stone. Now he's going to talk about receiving from God, but he, if you look at Luke 11, 11, he repeats the same thing. Hmm. Um, you, you fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. In other words, he's saying, he makes a comparison there. Let me read this from, uh, hmm. he says, uh, if a son asks for bread uh, from any father among you, you will give him a stone. He says, if you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He compares us. Mm -hmm. He says the same thing in Matthew. The deal being that, if your son comes and asks you for uh, a piece of bread, you know, that's kind of a round pita mm -hmm. bread over there, mm -hmm. would you give him a stone? See, a stone might look like a bread. And that could, but that's, you can't eat a stone. That's the worst thing you can give him. The best thing you can give him. No, he says he'd give him that. And he says, 
If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Serpent's the worst thing you can give him because it'll bite him and hurt him. No, you give him a fish. You, there you see the loaves and fishes there kind of thing. If you then, notice he says, if you then be an evil, even though we think we're good people, in comparison and all holy God, we're evil. And we're not that generous, really. If you then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So look, you know what it's like, David, when your children are little, especially, and they ask you for something for Christmas, they want this or they want this stuff, you put it in your mind, and you, if you could get them that, you would get them that. Am I right? You'd yeah, it, yeah, sure, depending on what it was. Yeah, but yeah, if they want a right. hand grenade or something. Right. But I mean, yeah. you, you, if sure. they want an art set or if they want sure. a, a little mm -hmm. electronic something, mm -hmm. you put it in your mind, and you're thinking, hey, yeah. you know what? If I can, I'm going to check. Right. And, and yeah. we're, we're not, he's saying, we're not that good of fathers or compared to an all holy God. But how much more so our Heavenly Father wants to give us. See, we have not because we ask not. And the sad part about it, we may get to heaven and God may show us all the things he wanted to give us. But in reality, <laughs> these are the only things we ever ask God for. Or You see, there's an old saying in missions. It says, when you come before a king, no small petitions bring. In other words, you're coming before a king. That's right. And so you're asking him. I know you're an entrepreneur. Right, right. You're asking God to give you ideas, mm -hmm. give you, give you uh, contacts so you can move your product to mm -hmm. go help the health of people. Right. And so that's a big, you're asking God for a big thing, but we serve a big God. You know what I'm saying? They, yeah. That we, we have to think big. We have to pray big. That doesn't mean we don't pray about the little things in life, but I think we should pray big. You know, I agree. You know, and, 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 and just seek the Lord and say, Lord, hey, again, if my children wanted something, it, like you say, it wasn't illegal or something like that, I would always try to get it for them, you know, so they'd be surprised and yeah. you know, thank you or whatever, and they'd be pleased and happy. Right. But how much more so are heavenly? That's the contrast Jesus is using here. Pray. It, it, it's kind of like he's showing us the gifts he's going to give us if we follow this doctrine, mm -hmm. you know, at least to the best of our ability. It's exactly. not like you're going to work your tail. Who wants to work their tail off, yeah. fight a battle every day, but there's no reward? Exactly right. Nobody. No. And so he's building in the reward, even though he knows how challenging the task that he's asking us to follow. Right. He wants to be yeah. included in our plans. Right. I always say this. You could get in a boat, a rowboat, right. in, on the shore of Lake Erie, down Rocky River, mm -hmm. and you could, if you wanted to, and you were strong enough, mm -hmm. you could row from here across to Canada. You could yeah. do it, okay? Yep. Right. Oh, you'd be tired, you'd be oh. sweating, you've lost weight, okay? Or you get in that boat and hoist a sail and get with the rudder there and guide your way. You Both ways you're going to get across that lake. But when you get in with the rudder set in the right direction and you're catching a wind in that sail, that's like the Holy Spirit. We can live our life and we can struggle and mm -hmm. we can eke through and try to get everything and do it on our own. Or we can seek God's help, get the wind of the Holy Spirit and adjust that rudder that we know God's will. And it is so relieving when you turn stuff over to God. Yeah. You know, that's something you, you taught me um, a few years ago where you can just turn all of your stress over to God. And people are like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. going to work. Yeah, yeah sure. you're, how are you going to do that? And how's it going to affect your... You still have to get up and face the same stuff every sure. day. When you do that, he brings the gift to you because part of getting the gift is trusting him yeah. 
that he's going to take care of you and your family. Exactly right. And he wants to see that trust just like a father wants to know that his son and daughter trust him and his mother. Yeah. And when you do that, you're building a relationship of trust, which means there's more there that you're going to get out of the relationship. Yeah. It's not it's like anything you, else. It's not something you read about or heard about. Right. It's now actualized in your life. And that's what God yeah. wants us to do because he, he's given us plain instructions here. I see so many people, you can see that they're trying to do everything on their own and right. not include God. And and why do you think God says when you Jesus says, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from evil. Those are real prayers. You know, anyhow. He's summarizing the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's showing us every day pray for this ability. Because if you do, you're going to follow the doctrine and you're going to see these gifts come into your life. Here's and you're a, also going to be a good steward to create other disciples, which is another thing that's of utmost importance. Here's a couple tips for many many of us may not know how to pray or we, we have right. a difficult time praying. Number yeah. one, um, pray. If you have a difficulty praying in silence, pray out loud. Hmm. Two, there's many many prayers in the Bible. We just looked at the Our Father. There's yep. a prayer in Colossians. There's a prayer in Ephesians. It's so all kinds of prayers you can you can pray. Uh, I don't mean recite them continually over and over, but you can uh -huh. pray. There's prayers in the Bible. Three, get with people that pray. And just where two or three are gathered together and pray with them. They'll help your prayer life. Four, um, you can you can do shorter times throughout the day. If you can't pray extended time, do shorter time. Then, of course, when you add fasting, that's a whole other topic. But when you do fasting and prayer, that has a certain intensification mm -hmm. of prayer life. So there's many things you can do to help increase. Keep a prayer journal where you, you, you mentioned say, that before. we're praying this. Yes. This is the date. Then when you see answers to prayer, you can date it and thank God you right. know, for it. You know, right. uh, that, that, that's kind of one of the things you could do You know, when you do come to God in prayer. So then he goes and he switches here. Um, he says, verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now here's where Jesus is drawn from the Old Testament. But he's essentially saying, do unto others you do unto yourself. Remember they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind, mm -hmm. and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. what he's saying here. Whatever you want mm. men to do to you, you do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. He says, this is the base of the Old Testament. It swings on this hinge. So you don't want somebody to steal from you. Therefore, you're not going to steal from them. You don't want somebody to cheat you. Therefore, you're not going to cheat them. You would like if somebody gave you an inspirational book to help you spiritually grow. So why don't you give somebody an inspirational book? You see what I'm saying, Dave? Yes. Just It's just that idea of, of, uh, of thinking of the other guy in those terms. You see how powerful Jesus' teaching? Each of these are little capsules that, boom, you open them up, and they just like have so much application. You know, it, it's, it's like a razor-sharp uh, cutting knife. Yeah. It goes right to the heart. I mean, you could have a big piece of raw meat. And you can cut, he just cuts right to the right core to it. Right to it. Of, of, you know, how you do this and, and how you help your mind adjust to the negativity that the enemy is trying to throw your way every single minute. All around us. And so I think that's what it comes down to. We're back to spiritual warfare. And, and I know that's, that's a separate conversation, but it basically, this teaching helps you cut through the chatter in your brain on the negativity yeah, right. that the enemy is always pushing in. Cuts renew, right to the core. You're renewing your mind. Yeah, right. You're renewing your mind. Yep. And then he goes on. 
you can read 13 and 14 if you like to, David. Okay, 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Okay, now he's talking about entry into life. And of course, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now that's narrow. You see, we live in a culture today that wants everything tolerant. Uh, your truth is not mm -hmm. my truth and his truth. There's many ways to the top of the mountain as long as you sincerely believe all religions are basically the same. That's not what Jesus is saying. He is a narrow way, but he's a safe way. But that's true. You see, the thing with truth is, by definition, it's exclusive. Two plus two equals four. It doesn't equal five. It doesn't equal three. You see, it eliminates all the other numbers. So if Jesus is the truth, by definition, he eliminates all other belief systems. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. No man come. But having said that, whom Jesus also says, whomsoever will, let him come to me. God is not willing that any should perish, that all may come to repentance. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, do not hearken your heart in your heart. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which... Do you see how this counterbalances? It is a narrow way, but it's still... you can, whoever it's, it's, a, it's narrow enough, but it's wide enough that people... He can bring all people in there if they want to come by the way of the cross. There's just no other way of salvation. Mm -hmm. And that's where the problem with the world today. They're... They're very distracted. Um, the broad is the way that leads to destruction. Distraction, materialism, um, false religions, all these things are out there. And he says, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. You know, it's like when... Yeah, the, there's really, I, I guess there's, excuse me, John, I didn't mean to cut you off. Right. There's, there's really um, two entities uh, that we have to deal with. Um, and I think that's kind of what he's talking about here, isn't he? The first is our physical uh, desires. Yeah. And then there's the spiritual side, which allows us to take that narrow path. So we have to enrich the spiritual side every day to go down that middle path um, versus letting the physical side and our desires take over. And, and, and that also includes our mind. Right. Uh, and, and especially, you know, you think about, they're just talking about, in the world, you know, how broad it is. You can go and, you know, drink alcohol, smoke mm. dope, do whatever you want, um, have adultery, you know, whatever it is, it's all there in front of you. But but to do the right thing and to follow some of the practices of Sermon in the Mount is really where you strengthen your spiritual side to deter the physical de right. uh, desires. And, yeah. and that's what it comes down to, yeah. right? Well, the, the gate, there's only a narrow gate. Right. That's Jesus. Even <clears throat> later on in John, yep. he'll say he's the door. So that's your entry into the road, into the way. So once you go through the gate, you've entered into life through Christ Jesus. Okay. Then you're on the way, which is a narrow way. Mm -hmm. That is to say he wants to keep you in holiness. He wants you to walk in the right direction after you've gone through the gate. But hey, anyone can come through the gate if they're willing to come the way God prescribed. In other words... And Noah's Ark was probably big enough to hold a whole lot of people besides just eight people. But there was only one door into it and a lot of people, you know. Now he's going to go into this whole thing of false prophets. Uh, verse 15, or false teachers, 15 through 19. Sure. Uh, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. 
By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Okay. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize okay, them. Okay, good. Thanks, David. So here you see where we do judge or yeah. we do discern. And he's, he, what he's saying here, of course, they're surrounded by false teachers at this mm -hmm. time. Beware of the false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. It'll say in Corinthians that Paul says, even if an angel of light comes with a false doctrine, don't receive them. So yeah. here, these guys are coming in like they're good. Uh, but they're wolves. They want to destroy the, 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 the people of God. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. In other words, their, their, their lifestyle. What is, what is their motive? Look at all the false prophets. I mean, take an extreme like Jim Jones took all those people to Guyana. He was a false prophet. He was a wolf. You see, and he destroyed people. Look at uh, David Koresh in Waco. I'm taking an extreme just to make my point. He just led people away and they took them to destruction. But people are doing this all the time with false teaching. False teaching. It gets into the churches. False teaching. It leads people astray. But usually you'll see these people have yeah. a motive. They want money. They want power. Often these guys are very adultery-minded. They will have multiple wives. You'll see this. And like Mormonism with Joseph Smith. Yeah. Muhammad has 20 wives plus. <laughs> I know. So this is, you'll find well, common themes. Uh, so you're looking at their fruit. You're looking at the witness of their life. And you are making a judgment or a discernment. And a genuine prophet will never seek his own glory, right, John? And that, right. those are the guys you just listed yeah. of how they operated. Therefore, he's saying, we're going to start wrapping it up here yeah. because I know we're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Then he says something very, very important. I think everyone that's listening should listen to this. Every is verse 21 through 23. Sure. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy, uh, prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here we see that um, he's saying not everybody that does religious things, okay? They, these people are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord, uh, um, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do all these? These are like spiritual religious things they're doing. Didn't I prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do wonders in your name? And he's saying, I never knew you. You know, depart from me. You're worried. In other words, he's surrounded by Pharisees from Sadducees. Judas went out and he was casting out demons when Jesus sent him out. He wasn't a saved person. We have to, we, a lot of people know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. See, let's say LeBron James was coming to town. He was throwing a great big banquet, okay, mm -hmm. down at the Hilton. And all his friends and family are coming there. And I'm thinking to myself, I've been a fan of LeBron James all my life. I, got, I went to some of his games. I got an autograph from one of the scorecards. I got his uh, money, big pay, big money for his tennis shoe, custom made. And I think I'm going to go to this banquet. And before I go in the doors, there's these guards outside. They look through that. They go, what's your name? John Murtha. They go, your name's not on the list. I go, what? The name's not on the list. I go, please, would you call LeBron James and ask him? He must. And they call up and he says, who? I never heard of him. I don't know him. Why? Because, see, I knew a lot about 
LeBron James, but I didn't know him. More importantly, he didn't know me. So Jesus is saying here, you've done all these things, but you never knew me. You never had a personal relationship with me. You knew about me, but you didn't know mo you didn't know me. And then Jesus says, and then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now we'll finish on this, David. This is where Jesus closes this long Sermon on the Mount uh -huh. by this famous message of he does a lot of comparison of twos if you haven't known so far. But in verse 24 through 27. And we'll close it on this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yes, it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Okay, so now he's going to end everything he's taught here in these, six, in these three chapters, five, six, and seven. With this, this, this is, in other words, he's going to use comparison again. He uses a lot of comparison of two things throughout this whole sermon, right? Okay. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and does them. So there's, you see, two things are important. Number one, hearing the word of God. Number two, obeying the word mm -hmm. of God. It's not enough to hear it alone. Uh, that's why the Pharisees and scribes probably were very well versed in the Old Testament, but they didn't obey it. That's only half, half the problem there. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, he says, the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded <laughs> on the rock. Again, what is the rock? Hearing the word of God mm -hmm. and obeying the word of God. Other places in the scripture, the rock will be Jesus. He'll be the foundation stone the builders rejected. But here, it's hearing God's <clears> word. <throat> and, now, how about how many people are raised in a church all their life, mm -hmm. but they never really hear the word of God? They don't. And they're never really instructed in the word of God. Well, th that was that was me. Uh, I was a server boy. Um, you know, I brought this up before. I'd go to church once a week, sit there for an hour, left didn't think about church or doing anything in the Bible until I came back the following weekend. That was it. I mean, th th that's how I operated. So th that's part of, you know, th that's important, but it's also um, believing in God and believing that this is the Word of God. Yeah, right. You know, because right. the Word of God will give you that stable rock yeah. foundation. That's what he's saying here. Yeah. Now, notice... Um, this is the wise man. Right. That's the wise man. Yeah. Uh, that's going to listen. And again, there's a lot of people might hear the word of God, but they don't obey the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, they hear it. They like to come to a fellowship. They like, but they don't, they don't obey it. I mean, this is, all of us have to be cautious of this. But notice, the rains come down from above. Right. The floods come up <clears> from <throat> below and the wind blew from the side. So it's getting hit from all three sides. Oftentimes, uh, we see that about sin. You know, you have three factors of sin in the human condition. You have Satan, mm -hmm. the world, and the flesh. See, it comes at you in three mm -hmm. different directions. Yeah. Just like this attack on the house, so to speak, comes in three. But now he says, verse 26, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. So he's comparing wise and foolish, house on the stone, house built on sand. And then he says, notice, 
The rains descend, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So here we see both houses are attacked by the same natural systems. Mm -hmm. Rain falls, mm -hmm. floods come up, it's coming from down, it's coming down, it's coming up, it's coming from the sides. The, the, none is protected. Each are going to be assaulted, so to speak. So th that's a given in this world. You're going right. to be, okay. But this guy built it on sand. I mean, there's people down in Florida that build their house on sand, or they just have, a, let's say, a house drill. When these winds come through and these hurricanes, it's gone. It's not, there's no, it's not firmly rooted. And, you know, I, I think just to give another example of this, in my mind, John, you know, early on and even, you know, even today, <clears throat> when I come to you and talk about, you know, these significant problems that, uh, <coughs> excuse me, you know, that I think I'm facing, you pause and you say, let's pray. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think, again, that's where you're able to get that stability. Go ahead and talk because I'll grab some. Okay. Water. Well, no, you're right, David, <clears throat> because this, this this is really, he's given a, what I call a, a spiritual house. Everybody in the world <clears throat> is building a spiritual me. house <clears throat> of some sort. Right. Are you building it on sand, which is the world opinion, it's world religion, worldview, philosophies, right. whatever? Or are you building it on the Word of God and obeying the Word of God? If you build that, it's like putting footers down in a newly constructed house. They're building buildings today in San Francisco. And right. they, they can actually absorb earthquakes. You know, it's, it's built with stabilizers and shock absorbers. That's what you want, because right. we are going to face <clears throat> temptation in this world. We're going to face setbacks in this world. We should not be easily shaken, but a man that builds it on sand, he's going to fall. And, and uh, what I was trying to say before I started coughing is, um, you know, belief in the word of God, what, he, what he's telling us is pray and it'll be given to you. Um, you know, but you have to do the right things. But again, it's having the confidence. Like when I bring stuff to you, you're not panicked. You're not like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. It's that simple. That that's where you go, and that's how you continue to, to build the foundation in your house, in your faith, right. with your family, with the people in your network. It's that simple. You show that stability regardless of any tsunami coming to hit you. No, you're right there. This is like a <laughs> blueprint for life. Right. For, yeah. God wants us to have a victorious, flourishing life right. in our children, in mm -hmm. our grandchildren. He wants us to be men of influence. So this is where it ends. Right. It says in verse 28, And it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished. They right. were just, you know, it's just like we talking about it 2,000 years later. We're saying, wow, this is insightful. Wow, this is... This. So he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Mm -hmm. The scribes couldn't teach like this. They were given laws and regulations to people. And then in the next verse... Because there's no chapter break in the original scrolls. And when he had come down from the mountain, <clears throat> a great multitude followed him. So now he comes down. He went up on chapter 5, and now he's coming down. And that's the completion of what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. So we're very, very happy all of you tuned in today. Um, you might want to go over this on your own. It's oh, just yeah. loaded it's with loaded. content yeah. and information, practical <clears throat> information for daily living. And, man, you know... There's many books out there and many good books out there, but when you read like this, the Sermon on the Mount, it's just so educational. It's just so it gives you so much. It's uh, in the midst of you know darkness. Uh, I think that the Sermon on the Mount gives us a sense of 
you know, assurance, <clears throat> and it helps us solve a lot of problems, emotional, physical. It's all right there. It's all right there. It's a gift. Yeah. Well, thank you, David, and thank all of you for listening. Um, we're looking for another show next week. We like to do mm -hmm. prophecy and Christmas. There's so many threads of oh, prophecy boy. in the yeah. Old Testament, starting in Genesis, that find and bind themselves in fulfillment in the Christmas story. So God willing, we'll be doing that next week. And again, thank you for tuning in. This is WNZN uh, Radio coming to you, Lorraine, Ohio, uh, 89.1 FM. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. And God bless you having a great weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. Thanks, David.